I first want to say on Time Change Sunday, y'all look good. Y'all look awake. I want to say welcome to our Noonan campus, everyone watching in LaGrange and online. I'm so glad that we are here today. And Time Change Sunday is that Sunday where an hour feels like an eternity. How many of y'all have already had more coffee than usual? Anybody? A couple of you? Um, you know, that's, this is that moment where if you have little kids and you finally got them like on a sleep schedule, time change messes up everything. You have to be prepared for like a week of tears and caffeine as you hope to get back on track with everything going on. But I am so glad that you chose to be here today. We are starting a brand new series called The Storyteller. And this is where we're going to be looking at stories in the Bible told by Jesus. And these stories are called parables. And one definition for the way we might be able to understand a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We find a lot of times Jesus is telling these parables as people are gathered around to his disciples and also to Pharisees and and teachers of the law. They did not like Jesus at all. They were always trying to find ways to trap him into whether it's breaking the law and do things they they didn't like. So they thought they were being clever and tricky and they would ask certain questions or Jesus would know what they were thinking and he would respond with a parable. Now, do any of you have a friend or family member that when you ask them a question, they're like, let me tell you a story. You're like, oh man, where's this going? Like 30 minutes later, you're like, that's the point. All right, what I love about Jesus is he is very concise. Okay, he tells these stories and makes this point very quickly. And the great thing is, as he told these stories that really related to the people of the day, to where it was, it was things that they were dealing with, it's things they lived, and it still relates to us so well in this moment right now. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into this. Lord Jesus, God, we call on your name. God, your name truly does make the darkness tremble. God, you conquer fear. In your name, there is hope and salvation. And so God, in this moment right now, we stand in the confidence of who you are. God, would you challenge and change every single one of us? God, speak to us in this moment. So in your name we pray, amen. So by a show of hands here in Noonan LaGrange online, how many of you have a tendency to lose things? Anybody? Have a tendency to misplace keys, wallet, purse, most importantly, the remote, okay? How many of you have ever lost your wedding ring? Anybody? When you lose something of value, and especially if you lost your wedding ring, did you get that feeling in your stomach like you could instantly throw up? When you realized it was missing, when it was gone, you didn't know where it was? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like your stomach just starts churning because you want to find it so bad. We're actually going to be looking at this parable today where it talks about things that are lost. Let's look at Luke 15, 1 through 7 together. It's going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there as well. Luke 15, 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. 
I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So I want to go ahead and lay the groundwork for us this morning so we can get our minds thinking on what the Lord wants to teach us. So what is the theme of this parable right here? We find salvation, forgiveness, God's love and action. But what Jesus is really teaching here is how we need to pursue the sinner, how we need to pursue the lost. In Luke 15, we find three parables all that complement each other. The lost sheep, a parable on a lost coin, and then another parable on the lost son. You see, Jesus saw this as so important that he took an entire chapter to show us this. And Jesus shared these parables in response to what the Pharisees said. We see in Scripture, it says, the Pharisees said in verse 2, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You see, the Pharisees saw themselves as higher than everyone else, as better, because they, they thought that they obeyed the law better. They were more righteous. This is something the Pharisees struggled with. This was a society that was separated by race, by working class rank, by religion, and many things that we're still dealing with today. You see, the Pharisees went as far as even dividing people into two classes, unclean and righteous. And their goal was to not deal with the unclean people at all, who they categorize as unclean. They didn't want to be around these people. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. And these Pharisees and teachers of the law were teaching a faith based on works, that if you were good enough, if you worked hard enough, then you could have God's forgiveness. When Jesus teaches something totally different, when he shows right here in these parables something that really would have rocked the Pharisees' world, that God pursues the sinner. They taught the sinner had to go to God, be good enough, when Jesus says that God pursues the sinner. This is even reiterated in Luke. If we look a few chapters later, 1910, says the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is what Jesus came to do. So, with Jesus sharing this parable as a response to the Pharisees, he's really applying this to us. So how do we take this parable and make it real for us today? Now, we know that when we look at the Bible that we see Jesus, God's called our shepherd, and this is one way we can look at this parable, that God is our shepherd. When we see in John 10, 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. We're all sheep, and God is our shepherd. But in this parable, I think we're also all going to be challenged by our understanding of how the shepherd either applies to us or how the sheep applies to us. If you're a Christian and you're a Christ follower, then you're going to be challenged by the shepherd in this story. We're, we are shepherds. Look at what Jesus even says. He says, suppose one of you Suppose one of you has sheep. So as a Christian, that is us. That's, that's Jesus putting the ball in our court. And then if you're not a Christian, I want you to be challenged by the sheep today. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, and you're lost in, in sin. Sin is what separates us from God. This distance that we find in this parable of the lost sheep. But God doesn't want that distance. He wants a relationship with us. That's why he sent Jesus to this earth to die for us so he could be our good shepherd and lay down his life for the sheep. But maybe you feel lost in your sin, lost in your choices, your decisions. And I pray today that you would see your need for Jesus. The thing is, we are all sheep. 
And we all struggle with sin. We even learn this in Isaiah 53, 6. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the reason I share this is because as a Christian, you're gonna be challenged by the shepherd in this parable, but also by the sheep. Because even though we know Jesus is our savior, there's times we stray away from him and we get lost in sin. We wander off and we find ourselves making bad choices. You see, the sheep in this parable was already under the care of the shepherd and then decided to run away. So I want to go ahead and tell you, what is the goal? What's the goal today? What's the goal of this parable and this message? Because this is going to be the framework that we think about everything that we learn. As Christians, the goal is that you would pursue the lost, that you would share the salvation that you found in Christ with others that you become a storyteller. I love that Jesus told these parables. And the greatest story we can tell with our lives is the story of salvation we found in our God. And then as someone who does not know Jesus, my prayer is that you would see how much God loves you, how he gave his life for you, how he took on your sins and your mistakes, so you would trust him as your Lord and Savior, and that you would go from lost to found like we find in these parables. So how do we get there? Let's go and break these verses down and see what God is teaching us today. Let's look at verses one through two. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Immediately in verse one, we learn about the heart of our God. I actually love what it says right here. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, I, the fact that it says sinners tells a lot because we're all sinners. Tax collectors were known as liars and cheats. Why in the world would these tax collectors and sinners want to be around Jesus? Why in the world did, did they feel like they could come to him when, when the Pharisees and the world was telling them that you don't deserve any of this. You're dirty, you're lost. No one likes you. And yet we find them around Jesus. You see, the Pharisees would have been appalled that Jesus would even be seen with these people, let alone talking with them and eating with them. But we got to understand that when the Pharisees, was when they were labeling people as sinners, that our label of sinners is why Jesus loves as a Savior. That is why Jesus is here. That is why he's telling this story. It's because Jesus is a Savior. But the Pharisees, they couldn't get past this. They thought that being around these sinners would even taint them, would stain them. They didn't want to be around them. Have you ever hung out with somebody and someone goes, I can't believe you're around that person. Do you know what they do? Have you seen what they've done? You see the choices they're making? Guess what? Jesus wasn't afraid to be called a friend of sinners. So let me ask you, who is your audience? And y'all know what I mean by the word audience. Who are you around? Who's your friend group? Who are people you're talking to? Who are people you're sharing the love of Christ with? Who is your audience? Who is drawn to you? By what the world teaches, we, we find this separation for some reason where, where we can't be around certain people where they look and go, why are you doing this? Why are you around them? When Jesus says, that's who I came for. 
I came for all of you. We were all in the same boat at one point or another, and we still are as sinners. So the question begs, why did these people want to be around Jesus? Did they think that Jesus was going to change his teachings, change his convictions in order to accept them? Maybe that's what people have even said to you before, like, hey, if you go and hang out with that person, if you go and hang out with someone who's lost, with someone who doesn't know Christ, with someone struggling in sin, it's going to change you. When, listen, the reason why they came around Christ is not because Jesus conformed his values. It's because he confirmed people's value. Let me say that one more time, because that's very important for us to understand, especially in this culture. Jesus wanted to be around people that did not know him. And he didn't do this because he wanted to go conform his values, change who he was. He did this because he wanted to look at people and confirm their value. We got to understand this as Christians today. You see, Jesus didn't accept the sin, but he accepted the sinner. We aren't called to judge the lost. We're called to love the lost. We have to grasp this in order to truly understand the gospel, the love of God. That love is at the center of it. So this is where you now see that our audience of our life reflects the action of our faith. How is your faith being put into action? There are a few times in the Bible where we find Jesus speaking in the synagogue. A lot of these stories that we read, where is he at? He's out pursuing people. He's going to them and finding them. We must be willing to ask ourselves, if the only people who see our faith are in the four walls of this church, are the only people who see our faith in our life group, are the only people who see our love in Christ in our family. Because listen, when we grasp the, the gospel and that Jesus Christ came to this world for everybody, it takes us out. It puts us into action, into finding the lost and pursuing them. Listen, we don't want to be like the Pharisees who only wanted to talk to people who talk like them, to people who look like them and thought like them. God is calling us to go. I love how Jesus responded to the Pharisees in Luke 5, if you go back a few chapters, when they had the same judgmental complaint about Jesus. Different story. It says, why do you eat, with, eat and drink with sinners? Jesus answered them in Luke 5, 31 through 32. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to Repentance. You see, Jesus could call people to repentance in love. And this is what makes our God so absolutely amazing, is that these people wanted to be around Jesus because he loved them. Listen, when we speak to, to people who don't know Christ, and hopefully if you're in here today and you don't know Christ, you're hearing this, then we, we got to understand the subject of our conversation is never someone's sin. The subject of our conversation is a savior who forgives sin. There's a very big difference there. And see, Jesus, when he would talk to people, he was offering hope. He was offering life. And we get to do that through the way that we encounter people. So who is attracted to the message your life is preaching? Who's attracted? Are you sharing the love of Jesus with others? 
Let's look at verse four. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now you see, at first glance, the math on this seems way off. I mean, this is how we've been trained to think, right? 99, you lose one. Okay, I can take that loss. That is not how God thinks. That is not what Jesus is teaching here. I love that God is teaching us in this story that one matters. We have to get back to this thinking that one matters. You see, we, we look at the 99, we're like, man, that is such a, a larger crowd than the one. But you know, when God looks at the 99, do you know what he sees? He sees 99 ones. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the crowd that we forget the individual. God sees every single one of us individually. And guess what? The one matters. The one is worth it. This is what Jesus wants us to understand here. The one is worth it. You see that this teaching would have really rubbed the Pharisees wrong. Because by their understanding of religion, they would have left the one in the wilderness to die. So what can we learn from this? Because it can be easy to fall into the same trap as the Pharisees. Where we find people's value in standards. That, that's what the Pharisees were looking at is, do you live up to the standard of what I'm going to place on your life? Then I'm going to decide if you're worth it or not. When, listen, salvation isn't found in a standard, salvation is found in a Savior. Who are we to look at someone and decide if they're worth it or not? They are made by the Almighty God. The creator of the universe, the same God that's given you your heartbeat, gave them their heartbeat. Salvation isn't found in a standard that we want to place on somebody. It's found in our Savior. You see, we're all sinners. All sinners saved by grace. And when we view it through that lens, then associating with sinners becomes a priority, not a problem. What are your priorities in life? Associating with sinners is not a problem. It should be a priority. Jesus is saying no matter what mistakes the one has made, the one is always worth it. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. It says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. When he finds the sheep, he puts it all the way up on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. There's two very positive words used right here in what a lot of people would view as a negative situation. Joyful and rejoicing. Now, how many of you have ever lost a pet before? You lost a pet, you got to put up all the signs, you got to go through all that. Growing up, we had a dog named Max. His nickname was Houdini, okay? We had this large, fenced-in backyard. It was his kingdom. Roam around, do whatever you want, as long as you stay in the fence. The reason he was called Houdini is because this dog would get out every single time we let him out. We'd almost just stand there and watch just to see what he would do. Oh, is he going to dig under the fence this time? How, is he going to gnaw through something? What is he going to do? And he would terrorize the neighborhood. Trash would be everywhere, all over the place. I can tell you this. We might have been feeling relief when we found that dog. It wasn't always joy. It wasn't always rejoicing. You know what I mean? When we think about the fact that the shepherd finds the lost sheep, someone who has wandered away, someone who's chosen to just disrespect maybe or be lost in sin, make these bad choices, and yet it says the shepherd 
joyfully picks up the sheep. Then calls his friends together and says, let's rejoice, I've found my lost sheep. That shows us the heart of our God. I love the fact that this sheep didn't have to tremble in fear. Oh, I see my shepherd coming. Oh, I hear his voice. What is he going to do to me? That he felt the love of the shepherd. Maybe that's what you need to hear today, that you don't know Christ. Or maybe you're in here and you're a Christian and you're just struggling with sin. You don't have to fear God. You may be thinking that, that God's going to come down on me and hate me. He's not going to love me anymore. When our shepherd is walking towards us and he's speaking love, he's speaking truth, he's speaking acceptance, where he's going to joyfully put us on his shoulders and carry us back home. Maybe that can change your thinking today about our God. You see, I, I love the imagery of the shepherd carrying the sheep. And so I wanted to do something a little bit different today. I wanted to do an illustration on video. So everyone here on our new campus, LaGrange, online, y'all watch this video. As we're looking at the story of the lost sheep, verse five says that when the shepherd found the lost sheep, he joyfully put it on his shoulders and carried it home. In a way, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but then I started to do some research on the sheep that would have been found in Israel. The typical sheep of the region would have weighed anywhere between 80 and 180 pounds. This instantly reminded me of the first time I walked into this CrossFit gym. This is Tyler. Last year he prayed to receive Christ, and I had the privilege of helping him walk through the understanding of his new life in Jesus. It's amazing to see how he has grown in his relationship with the Lord. And since then, we have been able to hire him on our church staff as our facilities director. Tyler and I became good friends, and he invited me to try CrossFit, and I finally said yes. This was only my second time trying CrossFit, and it's proven to be my last. I walked in on a Sunday afternoon to try a workout, and they said it was going to be a team workout. And they started to write the workout of the day on the board. The exercises said wall ball carry, wall ball, power cleans, push-ups, toe-to-bar, burpees, calorie rows, and buddy carry. I remember asking, it sounds pretty self-explanatory, but what exactly is buddy carry? They said you have to put your workout partner on your shoulders and carry them. As I was studying this passage of the lost sheep and how the shepherd carried the sheep, I remembered this moment of the buddy carry. You see, it's important for us to understand that as Christians, our application to the shepherd in this parable should not be understood as a position of superiority, but one of spiritual responsibility. We are spiritually responsible to find lost sheep, to help the lost sheep, and to carry the lost sheep. Here's where we must understand that lost sheep can apply to someone who does not know Christ as well as someone who is a Christian yet wanders away in sin, makes a bad choice, or maybe it's even someone who has hurt you. Galatians 6, 1-2 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Many scholars believe the law of Christ is understood as love God and love others. The book of Mark says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So do you know someone in your life that is stuck in sin, that is struggling? Are you willing to help carry their burden? Are you willing to carry them to Jesus? This also reminds me of a story in the New Testament where some men carried a paralyzed man to Jesus. The Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. That verse says when Jesus saw their faith. 
We must understand that our faith can impact others' faith. This is where us carrying each other's burdens comes into play. We must be shepherds and carry the lost sheep and point them to Jesus. At first, when you commit to carry another person's burdens, it may not seem that bad. But after a few steps, after some heartache, you realize how hard it is, how far you might have to go, how dirty and messy it might be, and how it hurts. But each step is a step in the right direction. They are lost because they don't know their way back. But the shepherd knows the way home, and you know the way to Jesus. Are you willing to do anything to get people into the presence of Jesus? So we finally made it to the buddy carry portion of the workout. You ready? Yeah, man. At this point, you're exhausted, you're tired. But I remember as I'm carrying Tyler, people are encouraging me, saying, you can do this. You can make it. You're almost there. But I have to admit, there's points where I felt like I couldn't go any further. I had to set Tyler down. But I wasn't going to leave him there. You see, sometimes it's easy to do the initial pursuit of someone who's lost. But then the enemy tries to convince us to stop during the process. He tries telling us lies like, they hurt you. They're not worth it. They're the ones that ran away. Why are you helping them? But then God always says, there's no distance that anyone can run away from me where I will stop loving them. You see, God reminded me in this moment that when I've made mistakes, when I've messed up, he still loved me. And there's been people in my life who have picked me up and carried me through difficult seasons. So let me ask you, are you pursuing the lost, and are you willing to pick them up and carry them to Jesus? So I want everyone right now to pick up the person beside you. (laughs) Hopefully this video, though, just gave you a little better understanding of what it means to pursue the lost, to help carry other people's burdens, because that's what we're called to do in our life with Christ. So what also does this teach us? So we've learned that God's love pursues us. We're also now going to learn that God's love protects us and promotes us. So if you're taking notes, write that down. God's love pursues us, protects us, and promotes us. You see, part of our God-given purpose is to pursue people. We see in the, this in the Great Commission where Jesus says, go into all the world, preaching the gospel, teaching people to obey and baptizing them. God says, go, go. Ministry does happen here in the church, but it needs to happen in our communities. It needs to happen in our relationships, in the world around us where we go and we pursue lost people. I love what Jesus even does when he calls Peter and Andrew to be his disciples. In this story in the Bible, we see that Peter and Andrew are they're out fishing. They're pursuing their job. They're pursuing what they think are their dreams. And Jesus calls out to them and says, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Too many times we get caught up in the pursuit of life. They were pursuing our career. We're pursuing money. We're we're pursuing possessions, and we forget to pursue people. Listen, this is what God is calling us to do. Our purpose on this earth is to praise God and pursue people. How are you doing that where God has placed you? How are you doing that in your job, in your family, in your relationships? How are we praising him and pursuing people? You see, the question we must, have, we must ask ourselves is, are these our priorities for our pursuit? 
If you ask yourself, what's the number one thing I'm pursuing in life? If it is a career, then it's time to rearrange your priorities. If the number one thing you're pursuing in life is money or possessions or power, whatever it may be, it's time to rearrange our priorities to get them straight. And listen, pursuing people can't be done at a distance. It takes a relationship. And sometimes it is painful. Sometimes it is messy. Sometimes there's heartache. But God teaches us that that one is always worth it. You see, the verses that we've, we're learning from, the action is really placed on the Christian. The shepherd didn't wait to see if the lost sheep would come back. The shepherd went out and did whatever he had to do to find that lost sheep. We can't wait to see if people are going to walk in the doors of this church. We can't say, oh, bring them here, Lord. We have to say, Lord, send us. We have to go and find the lost. You see, God's love is an active and pursuing love. The next thing we learn about God's love is it protects. You see, protection is found in the, the flock and in the care of the shepherd. We get to invite people into the flock, which is our family, the body of Christ. And you see, when we're with the flock, when we're with the family, it's easier to fight off temptation, fight off the enemy. The Bible actually teaches that, that false teachers are like wolves in sheep's clothing. They try to infiltrate the flock. And it even says that the enemy, the devil, walks around like a lion, seeing who he can devour. The enemy's waiting for us to make decisions in isolation, to isolate ourselves, to wander off. I really thought of this. Uh, the other day, I, I turned on the TV, and the girls were wanting to watch Dora the Explorer and Blue's Clues. And have you just, as a parent, you had like, it just had it up the hill. Like, I cannot watch another one of those shows. My girls like the classics, okay? And I decided, I was like, they love animals. I'm going to turn on an animal documentary. And so I turned on an animal documentary. It's awesome. I mean, it's showing all these amazing clips. It's like, how in the world did you get that camera right beside that animal? Okay, and you know the narrator in his really awesome voice, like, look at the herd. The herd's all grouped together. They don't know the dangers that are way on the outside from the wolves. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about because that's why you're laughing, all right? And you know, the narrator goes on to say, the wolves are waiting for one animal from the herd to wander off and then they attack. I'm zoned in. I'm like, when's this gonna happen? I look over and my girls are staring at TV. I was like, oh no, better turn this off. How do you explain that to like, you know, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, they were having a tickle fight, okay? You can't explain that. That's going to be ingrained in their memory forever. Think about this. What if when we saw people in our life wandering off, about to make a bad decision, instead of waiting to see the wolves attack, instead of waiting to see the enemy throw temptation at them, what if we helped them? What if we drew them back into the family? I've heard far too many stories to have a very honest moment. I've heard far too many people say, I knew they were going to make that decision. I saw that one coming. Then shame on you. What if God gave you the wisdom to be in that person's life, to shepherd them and make sure they didn't go down the wrong path, to carry their burdens, to bring them back to Jesus? Who is the one in your life? Who are you thinking of right now that you can help 
I'm tired of seeing people in this world that are lost, that don't know Christ, that are dying and going to hell. And I'm tired of seeing Christians who love the Lord but decide to go off on their own and say, you know what, I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to become lost in sin. When God is calling us, he's saying, go and love those people. Do something about them. Carry their burdens. Show them me. As Christians, we have to grasp this. The other thing I love about how God's love protects us is that think about this imagery when the shepherd went and picked up the sheep. The wolves may have been around ready to attack. Who does the wolf now have to attack to get to the sheep? The wolf now has to attack the shepherd. When we allow God's love to carry us and protect us, the enemy now has to attack our God. And guess what? He's not going to get anywhere with that. Because we are in the arms of our Savior. Look at Isaiah 40, 11. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God's love protects us. And then God's love promotes us. In the last parable in this chapter of Luke 15, remember there's three parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. In the last parable, the son goes to the father. And the the son says, I want all of my inheritance. Pretty much one of the most disrespectful things you could ever do to the father. I want all my inheritance. And he says he took all his inheritance, ran away, and got lost in a life of sin. When he was about to die, because he had wasted all of his money, he realized his need. And when he went back to the father, what I love, look at this. Luke 15, 24 says, For this, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now that's a promotion right there. To go from death to life, from lost to found. Every single one of us in here have, have a choice today. You have a choice. Maybe your choice today It's to go from lost to found, from death to life. You don't know Jesus. You've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to forgive you of your sins. And today is your choice, your chance to change your eternity. God wants to give you a promotion. To say, no longer do you have to lead this life that's going to lead you to death. I want to promote you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I want to give you life. I want to give you hope. I want to give you peace. I want to give you joy. That could be a choice you're going to make today that's going to have eternal impact. Maybe you're a Christian here and you've made bad decisions. You're lost. You've wandered away from the shepherd. And God wants to look at you and whatever your promotion may be today, it may be from addiction to freedom. God wants to give you a promotion. That's what his love does. It pursues us. It protects us and it promotes us because that's how our God loves. You see, the end of the parable of the sheep tells us how we get this. And it says it's through repentance. I love that our God welcomes repentance. We always look at repentance as a very bad thing. God desires our repentance. Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Listen, to our God, the one is always worth it. You are always worth it. What step of repentance do you need to make today? Or how can you be challenged to pursue the lost? Listen, if there was only one person in this world for Jesus to die for, he still would have done it. Because he looks at the 99 and he sees 99 ones. 
you are worth it to our Savior. The person you're thinking of right now in your mind that you know you need to share the love of God with, you need to share your story with, they are worth it to our God. Listen, remaining lost today is a choice. It's your choice. Today may be your time where you say, I want to change my eternity. I want to give my life to Christ. I no longer want to be lost in my sin. I want to be found in a Savior. Let today be your day. Let's pray together.